forever. Yeah, amen. Altar's always open. Amen. Uh, Romans chapter 8 this evening in your Bibles. I just want to bring a thought to you tonight from this passage of Scripture and uh, get an Old Testament principle to go along with it, or an Old Testament story to go along with the principle. I'm thankful that the Lord is going to come back to this earth and reign, rule and reign on this earth. And, uh, but you know what? I want him to rule and reign in my heart right now. We are instructed by the Lord to pray in the model prayer. Some people call it the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Well, that, that really says a lot. So what, how is God's will done in heaven? 100% immediately, no questions asked, asked no resistance, no, no uh, uh, counter offers, amen? What he says goes in heaven, and everybody's glad of that. There's not even a thought of going against the will of God in heaven. That's the way I want my heart to be. I want God, listen, the Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. And uh, he needs to rule and reign as king, as lord, as master today, just like he does in heaven, in our hearts. And that's my prayer, amen? And I'm not there yet. I'll just be honest with you. I'm not there yet, but that's where I want to get, amen? And so I thank God for God's word. Uh, what, there's no way we could have known about God the way that we know God. There's no way we could have known ourselves without the word of God, not the way we need to know ourselves. And I know it was a Greek philosopher that said, know thyself. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I'm not into Greek philosophy, philosophy, but the fact of the matter is, we do need to see ourselves. And this Bible is like a mirror. And uh, what an amazing, amazing book this is. Romans chapter 8. And uh, got about 20 minutes. So I'm going to give you a 20-minute message and jam it into about 45. No, I'm just kidding. Look at verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die." But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for this time we've had today. It's been a blessed time. And Lord, the songs have stirred our hearts to just get our eyes back on you. And Lord, I pray that uh, as we behold our God, uh, Lord, that we would uh, see not only the greatness of who you are, but Lord, that we, would, that we would aspire to be like you in our conduct, in our lives, to live after the Spirit and not after the flesh, to walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. God, help us now in these next few moments bring clarity to my mind, and uh, I pray the message will go forth powerfully and speak to our hearts and help us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You ever, heard, heard, you ever heard someone say, well, preacher, you know, I was just in the flesh. I got in the flesh, and so I did something wrong, or I said something wrong, or somebody cut me off, and I got in the flesh. You ever hear, heard that? Hear that. I, I've, had, I've, I've heard that. I've said that. Boy, I just got in the flesh, and, and, uh, and I, we know what we're saying, but the scripture here makes it very clear that if you are saved, you are not in the flesh. You see that in verse number 9? But ye are not in the flesh. That's good news. You know why? Because verse 8 says, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now understand, we are in these bodies, and we deal with the flesh. But according to the Lord, from God's point of view, we are no longer in the flesh. According to God's point of view, we're no longer sinners, even though we may sin. We're no longer sinners, we're saints, after we've trusted Christ as Savior. And uh, identity is a big part of the Christian life. You, know, you need to know who you are in Christ Jesus. The reason why we're not in the flesh is because we are in Christ. We are spiritually alive, made alive by God, but... Uh, there's, there's a couple of key words in this passage. One is the word in, what we've just mentioned, and the other word is the word after. In and after. Go back to verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So being in Christ is one thing. Being in the Spirit is one thing. And walking in the Spirit is another. 
Thank God when we got saved, he took us from our fleshly dead works and he put us in Christ and we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. Uh, the, The scripture makes it very clear, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and I love this word right here, and behold. That means you can see it. That's what behold means. Behold, all things are become new. Now, you may be saved and not have your life changed, but don't expect me to believe it. <laughs> Amen. Because if I can't behold, I'm not going to assume that you're in Christ. Because those who are in Christ have been made new by the Spirit of God. Old things pass away. All things become new. And of course, this is a growth. As we grow in grace, uh, it's more visible to those around us that we know the Lord that we say we know. Here he's speaking of those who walk. There are those who are in Christ. Some walk after the flesh. And sometimes all of us walk after the flesh. But we need to walk after the Spirit. And he makes a statement in verse number 6. He says, uh, he compares walking after the flesh and after the Spirit to our minds. In verse 6 he says, for to be carnally minded is death. Now that doesn't mean that if you're carnally minded after you get saved, you're going to hell. It's impossible to go to hell once you're saved. Well, what if I lose my salvation? You're not keeping your salvation. You did nothing to gain your salvation. God gave you that salvation. God's keeping your soul. Praise the Lord. We've committed our soul to His keeping, and He's faithful to keep it. So it's not talking about you're in danger of hellfire. He's talking about a, a, a death in our spiritual walk with God. He says to be carnally minded is death. To be carnally minded is death on your spiritual life. If you're just always thinking about the carnal things and the things of this world, you're not going to be alive unto God in your spirit, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And look at verse 13. Very powerful statement made here in a culmination of this passage. He says, for if you live... After the flesh, ye shall, what? Die. The Bible says it elsewhere this way, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. Now, you know, we use that as a scripture to to try to reach the lost. And there's nothing wrong with using it there, but in the context, it's really about the saved. The wages of sin is death. He's saying if you live after the flesh... Ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So listen, our eternal eternal soul is in the keeping of God, but in our spiritual vitality here in this life, our spiritual testimony among among God's people and among the lost people, that has everything to do with how we live. Now, I want to see, a, from the Old Testament, I want to see an example of this principle, if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. And I want to, I want to uh, predicate that statement, or this story, with this statement. 
Those who are saved, I believe, love the Lord. Now, they may have great love for God. They may just have a little bit of love for God, but they do love the Lord. I don't believe you can be saved and not love the Lord. Truly, honestly, born again and not be thankful to God for what He's done and have love in your heart for Him. So when we're talking about those who live after the flesh, we're not talking about those who hate God. We're talking about those who are saved and they love the Lord, but they just are not willing to live after the Spirit. They don't want to walk after the Spirit. They want to walk after the flesh. And all of us have that struggle, but for for many, that struggle, as the pastor mentioned this morning, they're feeding that, that, uh, that black dog instead of that white dog. And... And they're feeding the flesh, and the flesh is getting the upper hand. And the flesh is dictating to them their life because they're not willing to put aside the flesh and live unto God. They say, why is that? Well, I think we could sum it up with one word. Uh, They're not comfortable. It's not comfortable living for God. It's not comfortable putting the flesh aside. It doesn't make us feel good to put the flesh aside. That takes effort, and that takes uh, self-denial. And so it's easier just to go with the course of the world instead of following after Christ. In the Old Testament, it's filled with types. And among those types, uh, David and Saul are often compared to one another throughout Scripture. They were the first two kings of Israel. Saul, of course, was the first king. He came along first. He's a type of the flesh. Who's a pretty good guy, but he's not yielded to God. Type of the flesh. David comes after. He's a type of the spirit. He's the one who God has anointed and set apart. He's a man who has a, who has a heart after God's own heart. Saul, a type of the old man. David, a type of the new man. And I want us to look, with that in mind, I want us to look at the person, Jonathan. Jonathan, as you know, was the son of Saul. But he was also the friend of David. I want us to look at this. Go back, if you will, to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to move quickly through this. So please listen carefully and closely and keep those fingers very nimble as we turn through the scripture. In 1 Samuel 18, the Bible says in verse 1, it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. When we talk about friendship in the scripture and fellowship in the scripture, especially in the Old Testament, we think about David and Jonathan. How many of you met twins named David and Jonathan? Or heard of that? I have often. Caleb and Joshua. David and Jonathan were very close. This is why you you find that in in the world in which we live yet today. Now look at verse 3. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. They made a covenant. And what is a covenant? That is they made an agreement between the two of them that they were going to be knit together. We, we could say that this is a 
a picture and a type of salvation. Jonathan, who up to this point had only known Saul, now is introduced to David, a type of the Spirit, and now he is, he's got that spiritual life. He's knit together with David. And he loves David. And, and they become friends from this point on to the end of their life, the end of Jonathan's life at least. They entered into a covenant. That's a binding, in our day, a binding document, a binding agreement. They entered into this. They enter into this covenant. Why? Because he loved him as his own soul. Remember when you first got saved? Now, maybe you grew up in church like me. I grew up in church. Maybe you got saved later in life. It really doesn't matter. When you got saved, you were so thankful to the Lord for saving you. I got saved at 17. I came up in church. I've been in church all my life. And when you've been, when you've been going to a good Bible-preaching, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church, it's uh, to, to wait till you're 17... Man, you're pushing it. I was pushing it. Many times the Spirit of God had dealt with my heart, and I had repulsed Him, and I thought, well, I'm okay. My dad's a preacher. I sing in church. But when I finally realized, August the 10th, I just celebrated a couple days ago, six days ago, I celebrated my 25th birthday. I don't look 25, do I, kids? That's my spiritual birthday, my second birth. When I was born of the Spirit, as Jesus says in John chapter 3. And when I got saved, I was 17 years old, and I was so thankful that God had given me another opportunity. And I remember the love I had in my heart for the Lord. I remember that, that fellowship that had been broken was now put together through Jesus Christ. And I love the Lord. And, and Jonathan and David, they've entered into a covenant, and Jonathan loves David. Now watch how this progresses. You understand that uh, in chapter 17, what had taken place is David had killed Goliath, the champion of the Philistines. Saul and all the rest of the uh, armies of Israel were too afraid to fight Goliath the giant. But David, just a young man, was filled with God's power and God's spirit. He was not afraid. He was full of faith. And God used him to kill the giant and deliver Israel. And so as they're, as they're coming back from that, that's when Jonathan meets David. They become friends. They're going into the city after the, the uh, battle. And as they enter into the city, they hear the women singing this song, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. That really bothers Saul. Never mind that he's ascribed thousands. Somebody else has ascribed ten thousands. And so the flesh gets envious. And there's, there here begins the battle between David and Saul. And you know what? It doesn't take long after you get saved. Not long at all. That battle ensues. Amen? The flesh and the spirit. And they're contrary one to another. Why? Because the flesh wants the things of the flesh, and the Spirit wants the things of the Spirit. And you're in the middle, just like Jonathan was in the middle. He loved David, but he loved Saul. Saul was his 
flesh. Amen? David was his friend. And so he's torn in the middle. And so this, this battle begins between David and Saul. You see it in verse 29 of, of 1 Samuel 18. Uh, the, the end says, And Saul became David's enemy continually. You know, it, it never stops between the, the spirit and the flesh. It never stops. Here we are on Sunday. And, uh, and you know what I find, preacher? Mondays are some of the hardest days for me spiritually. It doesn't seem like it should be that way. Because you're coming out of church. Man, you've just been with the people of God. Maybe you've had a mountaintop experience. God's really blessed. Maybe somebody got saved. Maybe somebody got baptized. Maybe somebody joined the church. And you're on fire for God. And you're on that mountaintop. And you don't see Monday coming. But Monday's coming. And here it comes. And all the problems of life. And all the, all the temptations of life. All come uh, rushing back in. You know why? Because it's continual battle, one with the other. Continually. Never ends. And so they became enemies. Now watch here what, uh, what it says in verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 2. And Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. He's delighting in David. He loves David. Look at, uh, chapter, look at chapter 20 and verse 16. Now, all the while, while Jonathan and David are getting, are getting closer, David and Jonathan, or David and, and Saul, are getting more at odds. And you know, sometimes I think, well, you know, if we, just, if we just get close to the Lord, we won't have to deal with that flesh. I, I don't know what your experience is like, but mine is, the more I try to do for God, the more under attack I seem to be. And that's what's happening. The, the, the gulf is, is getting greater between David and Saul. And here's Jonathan in the middle. In verse 16, it says of 20, chapter 20, So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemy. So they, they expand the covenant here. They, first, they, they enter into that covenant. Now they expand a, a, this covenant to include the house of David and the house of Jonathan. And verse 17 says, And Jonathan caused David to swear again, because he loved him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. So David, uh, Jonathan loves David. He wants to enter into this covenant. He wants to expand this covenant. He wants this covenant to be, to be established. But he's still got to deal with Saul. And the whole time while Jonathan's getting close to, to David, Saul is, is trying to kill David. It's gone from bad to worse with, between Saul and David. Jonathan's in the middle. Look at verse 42 of chapter 20. Jonathan said to David, go in peace. For as much as we have sworn, both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord be between me and thee and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. So they've come together, they've renewed the covenant, 
They've talked, they've cried, they've prayed together, and David says, I've got to go. And Jonathan says, I can't go with you. I've got to go back to the city. Now watch in, verse, in, in chapter 23. In chapter 23, we find the last meeting of David and Jonathan. The very last meeting. And look at verse number 16. Verse 15, it says, And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. David is living in the woods. Literally. He's living in the woods because Saul is after him. Saul has, uh, David has done nothing against Saul. David has just simply followed the Lord and allowed God to use him. He's done everything right. And for everything right he does, Saul does everything wrong. Just like the spirit in the flesh. And watch Jonathan. He's still in the middle. Verse 16, And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. Praise the Lord. Jonathan says, I'm going to go to David. Even though he's in the woods, I'm going to go find him. And I'm going to try to strengthen him. And that's what we ought to be doing. Strengthening the spiritual man. Watch what happens though. Look at verse 17. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee, and that also Saul my father knoweth. And they too made a covenant before the Lord. This is the third time that they have made a covenant. The relationship is solid. The connection is undeniable. But watch what happens. And David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. You say, well, that seems innocent enough. But here's the problem. David, falsely accused and falsely rejected by the kingdom, is not allowed in. And Jonathan, he's caught between the two. Saul's in the palace, David's in the woods. Many had gone to David. Many had left their homes. Many had left the, the army. Many had left their families, even. To go and be with David because they knew that David was God's anointed. Jonathan knew it too. And yet when it really came down to it, Jonathan just could not leave home. He could not leave dad. He could not make the break. Now watch what happens. I know this probably, maybe you never heard something like this before. I'm not bashing Jonathan. Like I said, he didn't hate God. He didn't hate David. He loved David. But there's just a line he was not willing to cross. Now look at 2 Samuel chapter 1. In, in 1 Samuel 31, I'll wrap it up here. In 1 Samuel 31, we find the battle with the Philistines that number one, David is spared from. 
Remember, he was, he was, he was camping with the Philistines at the time. And he, uh, he, he was planning on going with them to the battle against Israel. And I don't know how that would have happened, how that would have fallen out. I don't know if David would have, uh, the, the, the lords of the Philistines were worried that David would go over to the Israelite side and fight against the Philistines. I don't know what would have happened. But I do know this, God spared him from having to choose. And he used the Philistines to do it. Amen? I take comfort in knowing God can even use Philistines. No problem. But in chapter 31, we find in the battle of the Philistines, we find the death of Saul. But not just the death of Saul. We find the death of Jonathan as well. Watch what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 1. Look at verse 23. David is mourning. He's mourning the death of Jonathan, but also the death of Saul. David loved both of those men. Even though Saul hated him, he loved Saul. Watch what happens. Verse 23, David is lamenting them. Verse 23 says, Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives. Look at this next statement. And in their death, they were not what? They were not divided. They were not divided. When it came down to it, when Jonathan had to make a decision, do I go with David, do I go with Saul? He went with Saul. And he died with Saul. Because if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. Now, you know what? You know what David wanted? He wanted what was best for Jonathan. He even wanted what was best for Saul. You know know what the best thing for your flesh is? That it be in obedience to the Spirit. You live after the flesh, it's bad for the flesh too. The flesh thinks it's getting its way. In reality, it's destroying itself. The spirit is the best thing for the flesh. And so Jonathan is here and he's trying to make a decision because he loves David and he loves Saul. He feels loyalty to David. He feels loyalty to Saul. And as individuals, we understand that struggle because those of us who are saved, we feel loyal to the spirit, but there's also something that connects us to the flesh. And there's this constant battle. Do I go with the Spirit? Do I walk after the Spirit? Do I walk after the flesh? Well, if you walk after the flesh, ye shall die. I don't care if you're as good as Jonathan. Jonathan was a good man. Jonathan loved David, and I believe he loved the Lord, and he was used of God. If we had time, we'd look at it, how God used Jonathan to... to, to uh, deliver Israel before David even came along. Jonathan was greatly used of God. Jonathan was a light in Israel. 
But when it came down to it, he just could not leave Saul. He just could not leave the comforts of the palace. He just could not leave the comforts of the city. He would not leave that and go to the wood. He would not inconvenience himself. And he died because of it. Good man? Well, sure. We'd call him a good man. I'd call him a good man. I have no problem calling him a good man. But he just wasn't willing. Kind of what we talked about in Sunday school this morning. He was sanctified, but he wasn't devoted. He went to David into the wood, but he didn't stay there. He came back to the city. And let us be reminded tonight. I'm sorry I did go over. Let us be reminded tonight not to walk after the flesh. To walk after the Spirit. If you walk after the Spirit, ye shall live. There's life on that side, death on the other. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. God, take these thoughts and drive them deep into our hearts that they might find good ground and spring forth, bring forth fruit and life. Lord, help us to beware our flesh. The comforts of the flesh, they blind the eyes and they dull the senses. Help us to remember we're just pilgrims and strangers passing through this land. This world is not our home. Help us not, do, not to get too comfortable, not to drive our stakes down too deep to realize that we're living for a, another country, another kingdom, another king. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Eyes closed tonight. This guy's really hammered us with this idea today, I think, and uh, he talked about it in Sunday school. The Lord laid that on my heart for the message that I already had prepared before he did a Sunday school lesson this morning, and of course God laid it on his heart for tonight. We are in a constant battle against the flesh, and if we allow the flesh to win, we are done spiritually. And if we allow the flesh to win, we are not going to see our country come back to Christ. If we allow the flesh to win, we are not going to see souls saved. We have got to let the Spirit take control of our lives. If God has spoken to your heart tonight, as the panel plays, you come forward.